When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, this is Ryan Fraser. This is Troy Daney. This is Gus Boyet. This is Don Hutchison. This is Jürgen Klopp, and you're listening to the big interview with Graham Hunter. Thank you, Jürgen. I travel to all these interviews from Barcelona and our socios, our beloved members, keep us on the road. This independent podcast wouldn't happen without them. Please go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter right now to join us, to become a socio and to get every interview we produce without adverts and before it goes out on the main feed, plus lots of bonus content, including the chance to put questions to our guests and to me via the monthly Q&A. So do please go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter and join the club and get your family and friends to do so. Maybe even strangers in the street. Love you. This is the big interview. You're welcome back to it. It's part two. I'm Graham and you're about to listen to another part of our conversation with Yapstam. And that's how this one felt to me, a conversation rather than an interview. And I hope you enjoy Yap and I trying to get the bottom of some of the ideas that he wants to take forward in his next step as a manager or coach. There are also memories from 1999 and Manchester United's unforgettable treble. Hearing Yap talk about that time, you can get a sense of what life was like for a player and a team at the very peak of their powers. My hero throughout my life and part of the reason I moved to Barcelona was Cruyff. Yeah. Um, I was lucky enough to meet him and interview him. I did the last ever interview he did, which was a wonderful experience. And, and I was really arrested, my attention was arrested by what he said about you before you left PSV Eindhoven because you, you were winning the Cruyff Shield and you were title holder of PSV. Mm-hmm. But he talked about the way in which you defended meant that he actually came up with a famous quote about they could have Yapstan defending on his own. Yeah, I know, yeah. It, which was such a brilliant phrase. For a guy, and for a guy like this, that wasn't just, there's some nice praise. With such a uh, strange brain as he had, I, I, I guess he almost meant it because he could envisage a team that played completely differently because of the skills you had. Yeah. When, what did it mean to you at the time? I guess too much media fuss. But when a guy like that talks about you, and what was he describing? Was, it was, it's just a funny thing. I was just like, <laughs> last, when was it, last week? My wife and I, we went into the basement, well, 
not, you know, not to do funny stuff, but we went into the basement. <laughs> we went into the basement to uh, to clean up, basically, because all the all the moving houses we uh, we did. We, we all collect stuff, don't we? We, we, we collect, collect stuff. And, and, and one stuff. one thing that I I came through, I took a picture of it. Oh man! Was uh, oh, that is, was the picture that that is so beautiful that he gave that he gave to me, and that was taken after when he uh, when he gave me that trophy. You know, I had which look, I guess is the five shield. It was yeah, it was a trophy becoming a best player in uh, in Holland. In Holland, and and he yeah he gave me that that trophy that time, and he did that speech where you said like okay you know you can have your upstamping your upstamping defense all all by himself, you will do it, basically, and that's and 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 Johan uh, and I knew him afterwards a little bit better as well when I went to United and Jordi was there as well his son, so I sometimes we went up to his house and then Johan was there as well with his wife and then family and we we talk about football. He's a person that always. Uh, thought about what he said, so everything he said, you know, was well thought of. He he understood it. So and and he understands football, and, and also and, and and that's why he said this as well, because he was all he also makes his comments out of the philosophy I think in how he wants to play. Yeah. Because at Barcelona as well, he wants to play good football a little bit in the Dutch way, what people are talking about now, but in the four three three attacking wise going forward, and then when you need to defend, you need to have players who can defend on like with big spaces in their backs. You know, to to cover in one v ones, etc., and that's what he likes as well, and that's why he mentioned which completes the loop well. when you were talking. You were talking philosophically about United and sitting back against smaller teams, but if you um, if you follow the Cruyff idea, it's the, listening to him is the first time I heard it talking about superiority, which didn't mean being better than someone. There's a different use of superiority. It's looking for outnumbering. Mm-hmm. Now, if you if you can go if. You can have a defence where I know we're talking a little bit elastic. You've got your stamina, and that'll do you. And you're defending. Not only do your fullbacks play like like wingers, or mm-hmm. you said bomb on, but the guy who's next to you can step into midfield also. Yeah, yeah exactly. Give yeah. superiority of numbers, and everybody's kind of going. We'll leave it to Yap and and Michael or Van der Sar, whoever it might mm-hmm. be. It's an extraordinary ability. Uh, to be able to outnumber and to apply the offensive pressing, dominating superior mm. principles of whether it be Holland or Ajax or Barcelona or City or Manchester yeah, United. Yeah. No, no, true. It's a totally different way of playing as well. And, then, and that's why when we talk about a manager bringing a manager in or having a, a technical director and talking about playing, about how your system of playing is, your philosophy, yeah, dominance means that's why sometimes, you know, Pep gets hammered as well because you concede certain goals but if you're dominant it means that you need to you're taking a little bit of risk as well by playing high up the pitch and you're leaving a lot of space in behind and sometimes you get caught the world needs more yap stands because yeah in in mentality in reading in strength and pace anticipation Mm -hmm. all the things combined i'm you know i'm not blowing smoke you were the perfect defender for that if that's the way your coach mm-hmm. and your team is playing, sign three gap stamps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but yeah, no, and I, I, I totally agree. The only thing is, but you don't find a lot of these defenders who can, who, who uh, who've got that ability, and that's why I'm saying if you're looking for players, and then we go back to what I said before about Maguire. If you're looking for ability for players, yeah, do you then if you want to have a player and your philosophy is playing high up the pitch, what are you looking for in that player? Tactically strong or physically strong or does he need to play in the back four always in line in defending or does he need to have pace 
a lot of pace and a certain ability, you know, also in technical, in vision, in, in reading the game. He doesn't need to be and strong. Yeah, if he has pace, does he have judgment about when, exactly, when to use it? Yeah, when to use it and how to use it and, and using his body uh, and everything. Or, you know, do you just buy plays and thinking, okay, we've bought him, we've got him, he's doing quite well, okay, uh, in there. And then, okay, you need to play. You know, if, you're, if you buy the right back, one Bissaka, you know, you know he's got pace. He tackles a lot. His position is not always right. That, that's why he needs to tackle. You know, if you're looking at the game uh, at times, yeah, and he re- recovers at times. But going forward, his crossing is not the best. Then you know that you need to have a lot of emphasis in training sessions on the crossing. So you want to not only bring in the player and then thinking, okay, here you go, we play. Yeah. No, individually, you do a lot of work. You need to train a lot of individual things with him so he improves his going forward, his, his judgment in when to go forward, how to go forward, his crossing. It's the difference uh, between efficient and effective. Yeah, because make, make a fast player to. can be really efficient in getting up and down, but you're not effective unless mm-hmm. there's some end judgment about yeah. how to use the ball. Yeah, but that's the same with, with, with Maguire as well, because, because I think at Leicester he's been doing very well. United, he also played decent games. You know, but what 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 does he need to improve? And maybe they've done it. Maybe they, they talk about it with him. Maybe they show him. Maybe they train. But, you know, how is the build-up? How does he need to build up? And does he need to drive him forward with that ball? Is the midfield player helping him out by taking up different positions so it makes it easy for him? If he if he joins in, whatever, is somebody else taking up his position? So you always have a back four to to cover. Um, you know, and what do you expect from him? And, and making things easier for a player as well. So, so at the end of the day, all the, all the money that you're investing... Whatever, yeah, you're also making that investment, you know, uh, paying off. But so basically. much of the analysis externally, including from ex-pros, is individualized. They don't think like you've just done in terms of joined up thinking. What has the coach said? What is the playing format? Who's helping around him? Is the mistakes that one guy, whether it's McGuire, Wambasaka, or any of them making, mm-hmm. are, are they just the last man on the scene because there's been three mistakes in the, in, the, in the 60 seconds before that not enough of the analysis is about that you mentioned a guy there that I have high regard for Johan Aside um, which is Jordi Cruyff um, who I, I met, I was watching training at Barcelona the other day having interviewed Araujo who fits into some of the templates I don't know much you've seen Ronald Araujo no. Barcelona he fits into some of the templates you've been talking about and Jordi came up he's technical secretary at Barcelona now yeah. The idea that because Ajax needs somebody to replace it from Mars, the idea is that maybe Jordi has been tempted there. Yeah. But there, there's no point in comparing him either off the field or on the field with his father. No. He's different. He's individual. From my mind, he's bright. <laughs> yeah. He sees football really well. I think he can be, and I think at the moment he's proven to be an exceptional director of football, mm-hmm. maybe even more so than a coach. But you know Jordy well and like him, and, and I, I guess he was relatively important. Are you hearing the Jordy Cruyff you know in the phrases I'm using about him? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, I agree because I, I started to know Jordy with the national team when I came from PSV. I joined the national team. Jordy was in the national team as well. He's got a certain sense of humour at times, a little bit uh, sarcasm, dry and, yeah. and quick and yeah, dry and quick yeah. and, uh, and everything. So, and then after, of course, when we joined up at United, I spent a lot of time with him. It made it easier for me as well to blend in a little bit quicker as well with him having having him there. Uh, you know, and then, then we talk a lot about football. He talks, of course, a lot about football. You know, Yordi, he likes to keep on talking, talking, talking. And sometimes we say as well, you know, like, Yordi, Yordi, shut up. No, no, but this and that and this. And then, you know, he's got his opinion about everything. And that's what I like about Yordi as well. But he's got, he's, like you're saying, he's bright. He's got football intelligence. You know what he wants in life. 
you know, he, he likes to also do different things, work in different cultures, and uh, so we spend a lot of time. And now, occasionally, we still we still are in contact, and we, you know, WhatsApp and, and messages. So he's, he's a good guy. He's making like a difference him. at Barcelona. The, the yeah. way in which they've made decisions, like you've been talking about, decisions are based upon not just a price tag or fame, well-scouted character, how do they fit in the immediate circumstance, how will they fit mm-hmm. longer term. So before I ask you about Mancini and Ancelotti and the whole culture change in Syria, where you're hugely successful, I was lucky enough to be covering almost every Manchester United game in 98-99. And, and certain things come back to my memory that now aren't talked about very much. So, for example, and I guess I'm saying to you, Here's a, here's a little tray of options you choose. It was yeah. your triumph, it was your treble. But I, I remember the inter-game at home where, as a group, United played at a really high level, but it was a really tough contest because Inter mm-hmm. were really strong. Yeah. There was the whole narrative about David Beckham having to face Simeone for the first time yeah, since the yeah, World Cup, yeah. which is Beckham got treated disgracefully then. I think about... United getting treated like ragdolls at Old Trafford by Juventus. I remember the Inzaghi's fluke goal where... Over there, I, yeah. I don't know whether you think that shit happens or I should have... I think you used your left foot. I don't know. I don't know. You tune it down in Turin, you get applauded off. Um, I interviewed Peter Schmeichel about Cam Now and Yanker hits the bar with that yeah. kind of strange overhead kick. Yeah. Peter being Peter said, I knew we weren't losing. I knew it wasn't going in. I didn't have to look. I just waited for it to bounce back. <laughs> I'm glad I've made you smile because, again, this is a subject that you've, if you win great things, you have to talk about it a thousand, or you're asked to talk about it a thousand times. Yeah. Where do you go in all those memories, the little things that stand out? The thing is that when you're playing and, and you go through all these games and you play so many games, but sometimes you forget to... You know, forget to realise in, in, in what's what what happened and how things were uh, were going. While well, we played, especially of course that year that we won the treble, we played like so many important and big games. You know, and we succeeded in in going to the next round. And and every time we uh, we won, or sometimes we had difficulties, but we still came out on top. And that's the thing that's been growing from 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 the beginning of the season, beginning of the season, a little bit of struggling in terms of finding ourselves and in, in, you know in, in the team and getting used to each other, and then eventually, you know, uh, we start we start to win and we get like in, into a certain stride and we get into yeah, and we get at, at a certain level, and then you see th- that the opposition every time is like uh, is afraid of us or uh, at the end of the day giving in. Or can't handle the pressure anymore in what we're they will yeah, in the last ten yeah, minutes in what we're putting on them, and then these games like the inter games as well. I think that was with the Zamorano thingy as well. Was yeah. it that game? Yeah. What happened? So so everybody knew. We we all knew that when we went into these games playing as also these big players, very good teams playing very good football, that it was not going to be easy. So and and everybody understand that as well. We knew that what we were doing in the league was good. We were happy with it, um, but. Champions League was again a different level, especially these particular games. Inter, Juventus, these these games against the best, well, better teams in the world, also. So we we needed to to give everything ourselves as well, and that was a challenge for us as a team as well to see where we were and, and did we can well, did we have the ability to come out on top? Did you uh, ever gain an edge in the tunnel? I think in the tunnel, the European games, it was different than, than the games within the league. I think within the league, the Liverpool games, the Arsenal games, whatever, were in the tunnel more confronting. 
than uh, than the Champions League uh, uh, games. Champions League games, of course, there was always there. It was it, totally different than how it is now. It's like clapping at each other's hands. Everybody was really focused on what they needed to do and very, very much uh, looking forward to this game. But it was it was going to be a fight. Everybody knew it was going to be a fight. It was going to be a battle every game that we went into against Inter as well and also against Juventus because, like you're saying, Juventus... The scoreline at Old Trafford, you know, people thought, okay, they were was, was it one-one? Yeah. Everybody thought, okay, they're they're not gonna they're yeah. not gonna do this because Juventus is a good team. They had a good game. Only one-one. I remember us going after the game. We didn't go home. I think we went to the hotel. I think we went to Montreal after the Juventus game. After the home game, we went together. We had a drink together. Everybody over there. We spoke a little bit about the game. Fergie did like a little speech. I think. Uh, at Montremol after the game about this about that is not the end that of course we need to keep on going you know that we still had an opportunity over there to do well and then when we went over there and then after like 15 minutes we were tunneled down deflection from Inzaghi through my leg and it bounced about over yeah. Peter and everything and then you, then yeah in, in that game you can see where we were made of because the Italians had the feeling of okay you know they're going to do it they're going to go to the final which is he with, with, with a scoreline yeah, like this, it's it's normal. We still had the feeling that we could do something. And then in the second half, you see it when we scored. I think Roy scored scored the first one, the first goal. And, and then you see the Italians collapsing a little bit. They were becoming afraid. They went down. They you were dropping. You could feel that. You could feel the tension, yeah, because they give us more and more time and space. You know, because in the beginning, they were trying to press a little bit more. They were confident in playing. Then they conceded. You can feel they were going to be dropping deeper a little bit, giving us a little bit more. And that's where where we had them basically in pushing them and then winning these balls and then. Does that make that easier for you? Because you're, unless he moves off you, which he did to to beat Gary Neville for the first goal, your direct opponent in theory is Inzaghi or one of them. So he likes to play when when the when his team is high up because he likes to have chances around here. I'm not saying he can't play, but the higher up his team plays, the more dangerous Insagi is. Yeah, that, the, the more they retreat, the more yeah, they, he's that, playing further from the goal, the more you're like, yeah, oh, I'm happy. That's how he is because normally when you play when we played against Inzaghi, I was never afraid of because he's got no yeah, didn't have any pace. No. You know, so especially in, in big areas, big spaces, you know, that was not a, not an issue for me. But with him around in the box, you know, in, in, in front of our own goal, you always know when he hits the ball, when he gets the ball, he's trying to hit it. And then he's with his and how he plays and how, do, how he does it, I don't know. And at Milan, I played with him, you know, he's always, he has this little bit of luck with him that always the ball goes in or you're always trying to score or somebody else is creating and he's scoring and he's like pretending like he, he did the whole thing. You know, he was always playing on the offside. When you play against him, he always goes down. He always gets free kicks. He's always playing with the referee as well. And when you play with him, yeah, sometimes it's nice because you always know he's going <laughs> to score. He's a good player. And, and, that's, and that's for him. And I said it sometimes as well. Sometimes when, he, when we at, at Milan, when we did like small boxes and then two in the middle, sometimes he just went out. He didn't play. Because he knew this is not my strength and sometimes I need to go into the middle and then I go and finish. Ah, but it's not the player's decision. So the coach no, no, no. gives him a little bit of... No, he sometimes does it himself. and then, No, because we always start up with boxes before. Even when the coaches were not there, we just started ourselves. Ah, okay. Beginning of training. And he's okay. going to go easy knocking balls on the goals and everything. You know, so it's important for a player, and it's not only for him, and he knew it as well, but that's, that's also when you go to the, to the absolute top. Players need to know their qualities. Yeah. And, that's, and you need to act like this as well, and you can pretend or that you can do more, and you can do different things, 
But that's, you need to know, because when I was at United, I knew that I, from Holland, you know, I was dribbling with that ball forward and being an extra midfield player. When I was doing it at United, Fergie was on a touchline and he was shouting at me, yeah, get back in. He said, we've got other players to do it. So he said as well, I brought you in as a centre-back. You need to play as a centre-back and be aware of the spaces around you. You need to defend and not taking risk by dribbling and driving forward with that ball into the midfield and losing. And then in transition, we get caught. My memory is you didn't give the ball away much. When you moved no, forward, no, no. and maybe you did it more a little bit in Serie A, I think, yeah, yeah. certainly for Ajax. Yeah. You, you, it's not like you made basic passes, but I think you were calculating about, like, I made my space, I see the pass, that ball is going to go from me to him. Yeah, not, yeah. not super clever Mancini passes, but this is what you have to stand up. Oh, and you need and to it do was it. effective. You need to do it. But I thought. You, you do it because that's how, how I've been growing up in Holland and in, in the system in Holland because in Holland when you're a centre back you need to be able to do everything yeah. if you can't do it you're not good enough that, that's, that's how the Dutch people think about defender if you're kicking a ball in the stands then the, then the Dutch supporters or people are saying or the analysts are saying what the hell is he doing why is he kicking that ball in the stands can he not play football whatever you know and, and, and in other countries they applaud you for it and do it in Holland not so so when I play when I played you know you get that ball you're driving for also to be that extra man so if you have a 3v3 in the middle of the park by driving in with that ball you create a 4v3 so that means somebody else needs to step out to you and then if that somebody else is stepping out to you it means that your midfield player is the free man so then yep, you put that ball in his feet so he can do that extra bit going forward and that's why that's why sometimes we expect a lot from our from our defenders by on the ball to be comfortable and driving forward. It's beautifully simple when you say it like that. It, it, I don't know why everybody makes such a fuss about it on the pitch because when you explain it like that, it's, it's football is simple. Yeah, but you, it is simple, but people overthink it. Before the rest of this big interview, I'd like to tell you that our entire archive of audio and video content is now on our new YouTube channel. We've begun filming all of our interviews, and there are already loads of clips with guests, including Rio Ferdinand, Connor Cody, Brendan Rodgers and Jamie Carragher, plus full interviews for you to watch and to share. Please do share with friends. Go to YouTube and search Graham Hunter, or click on the link in the show notes to this episode and become a subscriber. I honestly think you'll enjoy it. Thanks. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
Gareth Scriven um, has written into us about one of our socios. Given that he's a fellow Dutch centre-back, how highly does Yap rate uh, Van Dijk? Van Dijk was a guest of ours yeah. in this series. Um, interesting man. One of the things I said to him was, um, I saw him at Celtic when they played Barcelona and, and they got beaten badly. But I phoned up the scout at Celtic and I said, this guy should be already at Barcelona. And I think they got beaten by six or something like that. Mm-hmm. I can't know. And I said this to Virgil and he went, no, um, I wasn't ready. I needed the time I had at Southampton. And he said, I, I, I hated being coached by Koeman because he picked on me all the time. Mm-hmm. Just themes that we've been talking about today. Yeah, yeah. But it made me better and it made me ready for Liverpool. Thierry de Jong was the same with me when I started. He's saying, he's saying as well, yeah, you need to do this. We need to watch about this. If this has happened, if your striker is dropping in, you're following, you need to be aware of the midfield runner coming from midfield who's going to make that run over the top. Because in the beginning, you follow your striker going in, not being aware of the midfield player. And if you if you're get sucked into the midfield, it means there's a space behind you. If the midfield player, his timing is good, and he makes that run, the ball goes over the top, you can't... Turn and go. Can't turn and go. You never make it again. So, yeah. so you need to be aware and look. Look if, if he's going to go. First, you go a little bit. If why you see is he the, going? Why is he going? If you yeah. see the runner, you're dropping off. You hand yeah. him over, and then you pick up. You stay in your position, basically. You know. And if you make a couple of mistakes like this, or and, and different ones as well, then yeah, Tio was also used on, on on your toes and say, yeah, be aware of this and this and that. Yeah, you don't like it, but it makes you aware of yep. doing things so you improve, and that's what you need to be as a player. But if you look at Van Dijk and myself. In, in, in certain ways, we were similar because I went, I stayed longer in Holland, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and I wasn't ready at a certain age, at a young age in Holland, straight away for Ajax or for PSV or whatever. I went from Zwolle to Kambu or Willem II and then PSV and then to uh, the highest level in Europe. Virgil went from Groningen, Willem II, I believe Groningen. People said, no, no, we don't like Ajax. Ah, yes, yeah, he's not good enough, he's not good enough, he's not good enough. So he went to Southampton, he went to Celtic, and every, every time a step higher, a different level, higher level, different team, you know, and getting used to things. And then at the end of the day, he went to Liverpool, yeah, and he's doing, he's doing fantastic, he's doing great. What do you like about him, or what do you think, you know, do you see deficiencies? Or, well, he's, or got, he's, he's, got, he's got great personality, of course. You know, he's tall, he's even taller than I am. But, um, but he's, he, you know, he's good in his communication. He's learned that, of course, in the, year, of course, in the past years in different teams as well. And that's, the, that's I think, the benefit. Of, of playing in different teams in a certain league, you know, that you learn to coach, to, you know, to help out your players in everything, what you need to do. Tactically, you're reading the game, he becomes better. Taking up his position defensively, you know, he's doing that well. You know, he's got good ability on the ball. He's got a decent pace as well for a big man. He can defend as well, which is very important. Yeah, and they now say as well, he's one of the best defenders in the world as well. Yeah, which is correct. The only thing is, and, and that, that question has been asked to myself as well, and you also need to be respectful to others, uh, I think, because it's not only you who make you the best player in the world, it's also the players around you. We're going to build to uh, a climax of asking you about Reading, asking about your future in coaching, asking you to, to be clear so that if people are listening to this going, yeah, yep, Stam's an option for my club. <laughs> no, let's see, let's see. Again, you can choose, but in this series, we've had so many people who've talked to us in detail about Mancini, about his attention to detail, his ferocity, his intensity, 
his striving for perfection, the mm-hmm. fact that he can be a complete pain in the arse, mm-hmm. or he can be uplifting one of the best people you've ever met, or unusual. He's had a lot of success. It was an abrupt arrival for you at Lazio, um, Serie A, a yeah, change yeah. you didn't want. For a while, you worked for Mancini. What imprint has that left on you? What was it like at the time? What did he teach you? No, it was good um, when I got, because when I went to Lazio, Dino Zoff was the manager at the yeah. time. After only a couple of months, I think he left. They got rid of him. Then I think it was Alberto Zaccaroni who stepped in for a couple of, couple of months. And then Mancini came after that. And, and, and Mancini at that time was still very young. Yeah, it was th- only his second job. I think, yeah, after that's why I wanted to say first or second job yeah. it was then. And, yeah. and Because he still played with some of the players that, that were at yeah, Lazio at that course, time. Of course, So he was very close to, to the players. Because Nesta, I think he played with Nesta at, La- at Lazio as well. And maybe... When they won the title. Yeah, and, and I think maybe even Simeone, I don't, I don't know. But uh, Mikhailovic... Was, uh, was there as, as a left-back and, and he was playing there. I think they played together as well. So, so, um, so maybe after that, you know, like the coach that he is now compared to then, maybe that's a little bit different. Yeah. The, the thing that, that I learned from him over there and that's what we did with Mancini a lot more than what we did in, uh, in England was the tactical bit. So we worked a lot more on, on shape uh, him being on the pitch with the ball, moving the ball, telling us where to go, what to do, how to do and how to defend in a block of a four-four-two, going forward in possession, how to take a position. Also using the opposition a little bit more into that as well, and telling us the opposition is playing like this. Where can we take advantage of? From whom in the, the opposition's team do we need to take advantage of? Where's the weak link in their team? And that's that's why he did, and that's why he showed to us in training sessions as well. Sometimes with an opposition 11 like the subs or youngsters sometimes only with like uh, mannequins or, okay. or poles or whatever but that's that's the thing that he uh, that he used and that's the thing also what I like because he was that close to players he also knew what players wanted expected uh, at, at that time as well so also in yeah, in, in communication yeah. with us, he was very, uh, he was very good, very open. And I think as as a former player, and I know not all not all the former players are good coaches. No. Uh, I understand that as well. But he knew, and he knows, and he knew at that time, and, and what players need, and what's good for a player, and, and what to tell players as well, and to treat them to treat them. I'm not saying as an equal, but but be very. Cl- being very close to uh, to the players with us at that time. It's phrases that I've heard a lot of players use about uh, Pep when he took over, that he was so close to me, knew, we don't do this because you don't need this. This pissed me off. I'm not going to do this now. That I'm. Mm-hmm. Uh, So Mancini's coaching changed you. So <laughs> Yeah, well, changing, uh, yeah, thinking differently about, uh, about playing and, 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 uh, and about what coaches can do in, uh, in, the, in their philosophy of working towards players because oh. it was different than in, in how he worked uh, compared to the coaches that I had before. Already your Achilles was fully healed and you yeah. were back at exactly the same level of pace and durability in your opinion, I, I was, I, I, I was at, at Lazio, I was even a better player than I was at United. Yeah, I know, but the, 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 that stands out that you, you went from a situation where Alex Ferguson thought, OK, we can trade because the money... Mm-hmm. To, to, to being in, in two very good sides, but particularly at Milan side, you stood out in... Mm-hmm. But I'm asking whether what you learned about slightly more tactical and reading under Mancini helped you become that 
better player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, because he was like he was more. He he went more into depth about about players, uh, about us as a team in taking up positions. Um, uh, as an individual, about okay, what to do, what we can expect. He was even, even yeah, you know, as a player, when you join Lazio, your experience because you've already played at the highest level, you won the Champions League with uh, with United. But still, you know, with him, he gave you, he gave me still a different view on uh, on football and and in in his sessions that he he did it totally different than. How it was done in Holland and uh, how it was in the UK, so, and that, that helped me out as a to develop as a as a player in Italy as well, and and also yeah as as a person to yeah to treat players differently or to approach players differently because he was that close as a, yeah. a as a coach as well because he was just the season before or two seasons before he still played himself, you know. So to to talk to you, to sit next to you, to give you advice, to to help you out, to all this is in Italian. Yeah, it's after quite a short space of time for you in Italy, yeah, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, everything was in Italian, and he tried to to to, to speak English at that time. But well, back in the day, then when he was like into coaching, yeah, it was only say hi, hello, how are you? So not nothing tactically. So I needed to learn Italian myself, and I think when you go to a different country, when you go abroad, you need to adjust yourself to the country. Yeah, but the speed at which you do that, especially if you're getting intensive instructions, yeah, yeah, is, yeah. is is a tough one. Yeah. Sometimes you use a player next year in the beginning, then of course you pick somebody who speaks a little bit of English up. You grab him and you say, "Okay, listen up," and you sit down with the coach, and then he tells the coach tells him, and then the, the player tells me, and then who was you've that got guy? Questions. Guarino Gottardi. Okay, Gottardi can speak yeah. some English. Yeah, yeah, English you, and German as well. You were playing against uh, playing alongside Kuto much, uh, not, most of the time. Kuto, Kuto, yeah, yeah. We had a great team. Lazio was a great team as well. Yeah, yeah. We had Nesta. We had we had Simeone. Cholo, Cholo, we yeah. had Mihailovic. We had Diego Lopez. Uh, Cholo, yeah. We Cooper. had like. Uh, Fiore, we, uh, Favalli was left back, was an international. Fiore, Stankovic, uh, Oddo, Pancaro. Yeah, Pancaro. Uh, Juan Sorin, who was a crazy guy. Filippo's brother, Simone. Yeah, yeah. Look, we have to, we have to wrap, um, but I can't stop without doing the two things that I, I said to you. First of all, we have a question um, from our sponsors, um, Betis's Five, saying that how different does Yap think his management career might have gone if Reading won the playoff final in 2017? Um, we have a socio Ben Nicholson who also says it was one of the most painful days of yeah. his life. But I think going up might have exposed Reading as, as in terms of players, we weren't necessarily ready for the Premier League. Um, just one of those sliding doors moments where the tiniest, tiniest thing affects your life, your career, and your progress. Mm-hmm. When you look back at it, how would your management career have gone if Reading had Yeah, you never know. It's hard to, hard to say. Yeah, well, you know, there's always a dream as a manager as well that you get the opportunity to work in the Premier League. At that time, I got the opportunity to work in a championship with Reading. I was very happy at that time as well. It was a good, nice club, good people in there as well, willing to, you know, to, of course, make progress with, uh, with Reading. And then in that season, we added to to rebuild a whole new structure of playing because uh, the system and how they've been played before was totally different than how I play and in my philosophy and and that's and we needed to work that into the into the players we didn't have a lot of money to spend uh, you know in bringing in a lot of players of a certain ability you know that things maybe you never know maybe go a little bit easier but these players who were there they were really willing to work hard 
you know, to perform, to, to become a better player and, and eventually play better football. And, and uh, I praise them for that and I still, still do it because the bunch of players that I had at that time were real, really great players and, and really great fun to work with, also the people within the club. And then, yeah, at the end of the day, you know, uh, and that was the same when in the United, if you compare that, you know, you start slow, but, you know, confidence is growing because you get results, you get confidence in the way of playing, and, and you go all the way to the playoff final, which is already uh, a dream come true for everybody in, in, in achieving that. And then when you get to these penalty shootouts, and then, yeah, you're ahead in penalties, and then you're losing it, yeah, then... You know, you feel sorry. Well, you don't feel sorry for yourself, but you also feel sorry for the players because because you know how the season has been and what they've done and they put into it. So, and you wanna you wanna finish it in a in a in a good way. And people say, yeah, but yeah, you need to be happy. You make it to the final. That doesn't count. You know, second place doesn't count in in my book. It's always nice, and you always say, yeah, it's nice, and and it's a good achievement. But it's winning. Being number one, if if you're there, that that's that's the thing where you want to go for. And if you then, yeah, if you would have made it to to the to the Premier League, um, depending then on players staying, new players coming in, what can you then do in the Premier League? Big steps needed to be made for sure at that time. Can you then hopefully hold on and, and stay in within the Premier League? Yeah, you never know. And then, yeah, maybe you get the opportunity to go somewhere else or work for a better or yeah. for a bigger club. Yeah. Uh, I could have I could have gone to different clubs. Could have gone to Leeds. They wanted to to buy me at that time. I said no. I'm you know I'm I'm, I'm I'm staying at Reading. I had a good time, you know. They upgraded, my, gave me a new contract, uh, you know. I, I they gave me the opportunity to work in, in in England as well. So I wanted to to finish another season with them. Uh, and then you also see that, that it's difficult sometimes for the team, for the players uh, in a season to from being here that you overperform at times, overachieve at times. That it's difficult to do that again in the second season. Yeah, because of the, the impact of having overachieved, not having got there, and everybody slumps yeah. a little bit, and, psychologically as much as And the opposition else. now treating yeah. you in a different way and, yeah. and knowing you better and better. <laughs> so that's why I, as a club, and, I, and we said it as well, I said it already months before the end of the season, if you want to achieve this again next season, the next season you need to make changes. You need to get in players of different ability again because the players are, are, are being pushed the second season more and more also because of the, op- the opposition and they need to step up again. And that's, that's going to be hard for a lot of players. And that's, we couldn't do it. We couldn't do it again. We got close to a certain level but could never finish it. Could never finish it. Could never score the goals. And then, yeah, and then you see how it goes. And then there's sometimes there's interest but... Um, then it means for your career as well. And then from this and, and other jobs that I had as well, you see that, that a lot of people only look at results. Yeah. And they don't look at what, what, what is the manager, building. what is he doing, how is he building, what's the, the structure of the club, what are the players that he needs to work with, you know, the quality of the players, the quality of the team, the people above him, you know, do they help him, or does he need to do it all by himself you know, with his staff around him. You know, and that's yeah, that's that's football as well. So so you know how it how it works. You know, I know how it goes, and yeah, that's costing you sometimes as well. I have to ask, what's your relationship with penalties? Half <laughs> meter. I don't know if we're talking about Marseille, Brazil, yeah, yeah. Istanbul, yeah, exactly, Wembley, mm-hmm. the national again team. for the national team in two thousand. Yeah, two thousand euros. Yeah. I mean, do you, do you hate penalties? Do you dream of them? It's a lottery, isn't it? It's like, it's, it's the tension of, of the penalties. Yeah, you need to practice. Yeah, you can practice. If you need to play a final and the stakes are so high that 
by scoring or by losing, you're not going to make it or you're not going to go to a certain level anymore. It's going to build up. You can have it on training sessions. You cannot, you cannot create the same environment. You can't. And players are, are sometimes, yeah, they are vulnerable for, for stress, for like tension. When they, when they go up, they walk with the ball, they walk to the, to the, uh, to the spot to take it. They're thinking, okay, I'm going to take it to the left. Oh, the goalkeeper knows I'm going to take it probably to the left because I've seen it. I'm not going to take it to the right. Oh, I'm going to take it to the right now. So, uh, so you get in doubt. When you go in, when you get into doubt, worst case scenario. You beat yourself. Yeah. So, and that, that's a big mistake. You need to take or do the same thing or take it and just like kick it or blast it. But in a way, it's, it's been costing us or me uh, in certain times. Yeah, a lot of nice nice things good things and that's but that's also that's also football it also goes like this and and hopefully you know, you're always thinking hopefully next time it will pan out right it will go right well let's sign off by saying where ideally what type of club are you coaching out over the next three four years what type of football <laughs> are you potentially playing i'm always i'm always playing attacking football so i'm always going to play possession-based football because that's what i like I think I'm good at that. I think I can improve players, not only young players, also players of a certain level. You know, and, and so and that, that's my philosophy. And and uh, and it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that I need to work in the highest leagues. Not at all. You know, if it's if it's a club that's got the same philosophy, the way of thinking, um, they've got a good idea of how they want to build the club to a certain level. Um, you know, and then then I'm in for it. Because I, because and in the beginning of this interview, I told you I'm 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 in 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 the job. I go into the job because I like to work with personalities. I like to work with people. I like I like to work with players that are willing to improve. They're open for comments, uh, and and hopefully then by doing this, the team is going to improve, going to play better football, and and then of course you go to results because you're always looking for results, and that's that's the thing. Of course, that's what I was. That's how I was as a player. You're always like working to go to a certain level. But it, you need to start somewhere, and from a certain level, building that whole process. Yeah, that's that's a good thing about being a coach, I think. What I so what I hear is it's not boredom with your life at the moment. It's not I need to earn a salary. It's not like I must go in at the top of a really big club and be competing for Champions League. No, you seem to no. be drawn back by the act of getting boots on, smelling the grass, and teaching, coaching, changing groups, changing players. Is that a proper summary of, of what drives you? No, it is because I think that's nice. I think that's that's good when you go into coaching, and that's and, and that's been because I've, I've been into the job of, of coaching now for almost 15 years, and um, there's there's a lot of players that played at, at my level that say, yeah, but I, I don't want to work there. I want to play or I want to work at the highest level. That's 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 not me because it's uh, it's not a given for everybody. I I know I can do it. But the thing is, yeah, where, where do you want to start? You know, I like I liked the job of being a coach. I like the job of improving and helping out players in, in getting to, a next, to the next level and to, you know, to, to achieve something together. And that, that's what I like it, uh, to do in, uh, in coaching. Yep, Stan, this has been a pleasure. You've shown your wit, your character, your articulacy. have just been a joy. This has been the reason that we do this for a living. Thank you for your Thanks. generosity. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Me as well. It was nice. Thank you for listening to The Big Interview. It's produced by me, which sounds egotistical, but it's also true. Graham Hunter and Backpage. 
Our music is by Beer Jacket, who else? Editing by Charlie McGarry. Thank you to our hosts at Acast and our loyal sponsors at Bet365. We're also supported by our socios. Find out how to become a socio, how to support us at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. Here endeth the lesson. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.